started learning how it works, went out, got asked to do some training. Uh, and next thing I know, we were hired a replacement accountant and I was doing it full time. Nice. So, uh, that's how it's transitioning fast. Yeah. Interesting. That's awesome though. I mean, every story starts somewhere. So I guess, uh, so uh, I'm just gonna go right into it. What, what is exactly uh, ERP? Sure. So, yep, a lot of people uh, pretend like they know when someone says ERP, they just nod their head and say, yes, I understand. <laughs> right. Um, but it's uh, acronym for Enterprise Resource Plan, uh, which is basically just a generic term to, to mean it's an, uh, a comprehensive business management system. Uh, typically, an ERP solution is for companies that distribute or manufacture products, so they have inventory, maybe warehouse management, sales, purchasing, as well as fully integrated financials. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of an all-in-one system to manage the entire business. Very nice. The whole enterprise. There you go. The whole enterprise, <laughs> right. From soup to nuts. Has it evolved much since you first started 17 years ago? Um, so I, yeah, so you know, back in the day, I think very few systems in the small to mid market uh, were full ERP solutions. There were, of course, the big players, SAP, Oracle, and so on, JD Edwards, that were these huge systems for large companies that could do all of that stuff. But someone that played in the small to mid market typically couldn't get their hands around all that functionality. MRP and manufacturing is pretty, can get pretty complex. Purchase planning, forecasting, 
all those things, it was difficult. So over the years, I think what's happened is a lot of those features and functionality have come down to the small to mid market. Yeah. So, uh, you know, with the help of companies like Microsoft, so that small companies can get that same level of functionality that these large companies historically could get. Which makes a lot of sense because one of the top pain points for, that we hear with you know prospects and things is ERP is just it's too it's for bigger companies it's too big you know it's not for us right so right. it's changing it's definitely changing yeah. all right so uh, jump in here one more so why would a company switch to or why would a company switch ERP systems why would they change ERP systems sucks well <clears throat> typically they've it's one of two things, one of two primary reasons. One, their current system is out of date. They're not getting the functionality that they need out of it. Uh, and they have no current upgrade path with that current software where they can easily move to a new version. Um, so basically it would mean like a full re-implementation of the software, which would cost a lot of money. So at that point they decide, hey, we might as well see what else is out there, right? The other reason is they maybe have outgrown their current system, mm -hmm. right? They started small, this functionality they had, they liked it, it worked well, but now they're, they've increased the size, the number of users is a common one. A lot of systems, once you get to 20, 30, 50 users, some systems can't handle that. Right. So you have to upgrade for that scalability uh, to, to do more. Or maybe they've added a new business or a new process like manufacturing maybe they never manufactured before but now they're manufacturing so they've added a function uh, or uh, a process that their current software is not handling. i think those are those are primarily uh, what we see um, nice okay. nice okay so i guess what are some of the top reasons that you've seen people have switched to nav so nav was designed I don't want to get into the whole history here, but as, as an division back in the late 1990s, and part of the whole idea of the system was that it was designed to be tailored. So the structure of the database and the architecture made it very quick and very easy to make customizations in the software. So why a company would go to NAV would be, well, one, of course, it's Microsoft. I think there's about, Microsoft puts $10 billion plus a year into their R&D, and a lot of that goes into their business applications, office, email, which are all integrated together yep. with Dynamics now. Um, so when you combine all of that, the, the functionality that Microsoft brings to the table by having a fully integrated system, and the ability to easily customize the software to fit your needs, that's pretty compelling. They, um, you know, most often what we, we see a lot of business is when we'll approach a company, a prospect, they're looking at software, and we'll get to the point where they'll say, you know, we've looked at a lot of packages over the years and nobody has been able to show us how this works. And so what we'll do is we'll learn about that. We'll ask some questions. We'll learn about those requirements. Occasionally we'll actually go, we'll write up a, a specification, we'll design the solution, and actually show them that solution functioning. 
in dynamic vicinity. Very nice. So at that point, right, all of the stress of implementing this new system and knowing if that critical piece is gonna work is gone. Right. We've showed it to them, it's working. We can take this code and we'll deploy this in your environment when we install it. So that, that's, that's kind of just a, a little bit of how that de flexible development environment allows us the system to be tailored and uh, why customers, nice. why they choose to have. So how, do you, how do you say no to that? <laughs> yeah, you can't, right? <laughs> so over your past uh, decade and a half plus of being, in, uh, of being at Solution Systems, you've obviously seen the introduction of the cloud into ERP systems and sure. whatnot. What are your thoughts, your real thoughts, on um, whether or not the cloud is beneficial for people? Sure. Um, so, you know, I think they're probably the earliest ERP software packages for the mid-market. Probably came around, I don't know, somewhere between five to 10 years ago. Right. I think five to 10 years ago, companies weren't ready for cloud ERP, either due to the, just the technology at the time, meaning the performance, the availability of it with their internet connectivity, or other systems that they had that wouldn't be able to be used with the cloud app. There were all these reasons that it, it, it didn't make sense. And very few companies were taking it on in the small to mid-market uh, area especially with something as critical as your ERP solution, right? You need that, if your internet connection goes down and you need to be reporting production in your manufacturing shop or invoicing customers to get deliveries out the door today, right? That's critical, right? You're shut down, right? I would say in the last one to three years, there's been a turn where People are now relying, they're, they're able to rely on the internet, either just due to the availability of internet services, broadband, high-speed mm -hmm. access, and the price point of that, right? Sure. So you don't have to spend $10,000 a month for a high-speed internet connection <laughs> anymore, right? Sure. So that's a huge deal. Two, um, people, people have started using other systems on the cloud. So they're seeing that it works. So they've gotten comfortable maybe by using a non-critical app in the cloud, either in business or their personal life, so they see that it's reliable, yeah. that it works. So I think they've gained some trust. And then the third thing is that there are other apps and you know systems out there that integrate with cloud-based software. And it's, it's more well-deployed, it's better written, mm -hmm. it's optimized, right, yeah. better. So there's all these things that have made it very viable. Um, and there's a lot of apps that people don't even realize that they're using that are cloud-based. Maybe right. OneDrive from Microsoft, something like that, storage stuff. It's all stored in the cloud. Right. I mean, people have had you know, a Yahoo or Hotmail. <laughs> yeah, for uh, ages. <laughs> Gmail, uh, you know, maybe not Gmail, but a Hotmail account, right? Yeah, right. 15, 20 years ago, <laughs> I think, I had a Hotmail account. So, but it wasn't, it wasn't important. It was like my, my you know, one of my yeah. junk email accounts. So, okay, throw it on there, it's not important. Right. Um, but, but today, it, it's, uh, it's kind of changed. It's, it's people realize it's, it's reliable and trustworthy. And lastly, people are working um, 
you know, decentral in, in a decentralized way, right? So people work from home, work from different offices, work from wherever they are, a customer site. So when you have, let's say, 20 users on an ERP system, but eight of them or 12 of them are not physically at the office, you're relying on the cloud anyway for all these people to access the system. Or a company that has three locations. Well, you can only physically have your server at one location. So the other two locations are, are relying on the cloud. So why not just throw the whole system on the cloud and take advantage of all those benefits? And then every, I mean, you know, it's just one more group that's that's relying on that, right? So, so it's kind of interesting because my generation, all we've ever known is the internet. I mean, it's always been around. And so even when I was in like college and high school, our homework was on the internet. So I mean, you log onto a website and all your classes are there. So it kind of makes me wonder, I mean, is, do you think that uh, something as simple, or not as simple, but more complex, something as ERP will no longer have an on-premise offering? Um, just my humble opinion, uh, I think that there will always be a place for on-premise yeah. software. Uh, there, are, there are just people, and right, companies are made up of people who for whatever reason, and some are very good reasons, they want that, they want it on premise. I want a physical server installed here at my office with networked cables running to all my workstations and know that either from a performance perspective, a reliability perspective, or a security perspective, they want that. And I think uh, at some point, you know, so I, and I think Microsoft understands that. You know, there are there are some several ERP packages out there that are cloud only, yeah. right? Microsoft's strategy is cloud first. Mm -hmm. So what that tells me is they understand that the trend is to the cloud. There's no denying that, I don't right. think. But they're they understand that there are businesses and companies based on their geographic location or their whatever their requirements are, they need an on-premise solution. So with Dynamics, for example, Business Central is coming out soon. There's the, 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 the default product that they're marketing is the Business Central running on the Microsoft Cloud. There will also be an on-premise version of that available because to give up that percentage share of the market today, I think would not Big probably be a good idea. Right. Right. Yeah, without, without the top. So, and then, so I'm, I'm gonna go on a linger. I'm assuming you think that the cloud is having a uh, positive impact on ERP? Yeah, for sure, right? Because one, historically, implementing an ERP solution was a huge, Financial commitment, overall commitment for a company. Financially, uh, from a risk standpoint, right? Is this going to work? Are we going to get this up and running? And so nowadays, it's most cloud-based solutions are, are subscription pricing, and they get up. It can, you can get the software running very quickly, right? Because you don't have to go out, purchase a physical server, wait three weeks for it to get delivered. Right install the operating system, get the software installed, get it deployed, right? all that goes away. We can have the software available for a new client within 48 hours. 
So we're in there now, and they're only paying for what they use, right? Or the number of users they use. So first of all, that risk, that the barrier to, to switching systems has been reduced uh, significantly. But the maybe the bigger thing is, you know, is cloud, is it impacting ERP better, uh, more now? Is I would say, yeah, because you now have all these companies that are building cloud apps that integrate with Dynamics, right, and provide much better information and functionality than an on-premise solution could. Yeah. A simple example of that is a sales tax. So as everyone knows, sales tax has gotten very complex, and they've recently changed the rules where more and more people have to worry about sales tax. Historically, the, the idea of figuring out the correct rate to charge a customer for the, based on where you're shipping those goods or where the customer's located, and then going into your ERP and setting up all those sales tax setups to track all of that is very time consuming and difficult for a lot of especially small to mid-sized companies to do. Enter the cloud. Now there's a, there are companies out there, multiple, that offer sales tax solutions that are cloud-based. So what they've done is they've created hooks into software applications like Dynamics. So even if you're running Dynamics uh, on-premise, you still can subscribe to your cloud-based sales tax solution, and you immediately have every single tax, one of 65,000 or 70,000 taxing jurisdictions and accurate setups at your disposal. So how how well how cool is that? I set yeah. up a new customer. Oh, you're located. You're you're in yeah. Timbuktu, <laughs> Arkansas. No problem. Hey, we'll set you up. Address verification, real time. Apply the correct sac, uh, sales tax area. Now I enter an order. I, I can trust that that sales tax is getting calculated correctly, stored correctly, and now I can even leverage that cloud services sales tax filing. So the additional services then that, that you can get, yeah. right, um, can even offload someone internally having to spend 20 hours or however many hours a month filling out sales tax reports. Definitely uh, positive. Yeah. Another, another, if I may. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> another, <laughs> keep going, Rand. Another uh, very significant improvement around this is credit card. 10 years ago, it was not, um, what do you call it, uh, PCI compliant. You were not compliant if you stored a customer's credit card information in your system. Right. But guess what? People did it, right? <laughs> because the customer would say, can you just hold on to my information? Because I'm gonna call again, and next time I call right. with an order, I don't wanna have to give this to you again. So please hold on to it. Well, they're your customer, of course. I want to provide good customer service. I'm going to hold on to your credit card number for you. So I'm going to store it somewhere. Maybe it's encrypted, maybe it's not. <laughs> now, again, whether I'm running a cloud-based ERP or, or an on-premise ERP, I can subscribe, I can use a, a cloud-based credit card solution that integrates with Dynamics. So now I enter that credit card information 
it doesn't save it in even in my database. It creates tokens. It uses those tokens to charge the cards. So it's completely secure. Uh, customers are completely protected, and their customers are secure. Those credit card uh, account numbers and information mm -hmm. remain secure. So those are just a, a few examples of where the cloud, um, I think, has really improved a company's uh, ERP solution. Interesting. So there's also been a lot of talk, I guess, with the cloud, these multi-tenant environments. Okay. What's kind of meant, meant by that? So demystify multi-tenant. <laughs> yeah. Uh, What's the mystery of that? So uh, what a, let's start about first what a traditional ERP solution looks like. So typically, in a traditional environment, on-premise, let's say, you have a server. On that server is one database. Running on that database is your business. You're running your company on that one uh, database. Now there's also business logic that controls how that system works, right? What functionality is available. In a multi-tenant environment, what you have is one set, one structure with one set of business logic and multiple companies or databases can run against that. So it's perfect for the cloud environment because in a cloud environment, you have a developer who's developing an application. They're writing that, that structure of what, they're gonna, what data they're gonna store in there, what business logic and processes and reports are gonna be available to all those people. And they say, you know what? I wanna make this system available to all these people. But as people start buying it and using it, I need an easy way to distribute updates as things change, as we create improvements to those. So instead of deploying, let's say, 100 or however many customers you have, databases and sets of code, you create a single set of code and structure, and then I'll create it so that you have multiple sets of data that are all connecting to that. So I update my code, my business logic once, I add a new field to track some new information in the database, I deploy at one time, all of those companies and businesses now get those changes and those updates. So that model is perfect for a cloud environment. Um, there are such things as on-premise multi-tenant solutions. So you could also, in theory, have a, an environment where you have one, you know, one set of code and maybe some different databases or solutions. But for the most part, the reason you're doing that is because you've got different people in different locations or whatever, different groups, and you want to keep those independent. So they access it through the cloud or through a browser uh, to access it. So that's where Microsoft is kind of going with uh, the Business Central product. So then what are your thoughts on Business Central compared to NAND, I guess? Sure. Well, yeah, so kind of almost wanted to say. So Business Central, right, so what they've done is, right, they've taken NAV and they have effectively migrated it to a cloud platform. So now Business Central is effectively NAV. Same functionality, reports, it's all there, but they've taken it and now they're hosting it on the Microsoft Cloud in a multi-tenant environment. 
good, good line of questioning. Uh, <laughs> what have we thought that out? <laughs> so, so, right, because now it's hosted on Microsoft's cloud, they need to be able to make updates to the system for all these people. So when you create your business central environment, you're creating that as a tenant on the Microsoft cloud. Mm -hmm. When they make updates once a month or however often those updates need to get applied, they distribute those updates to all the business central customers at once. Uh, and then you are continuously using the latest and greatest version. So that's, that's the key benefit, mm -hmm. right? The, the, why is running a cloud solution beneficial? It's because you never get to the point where you're running an outdated software. You never get to the point where you can no longer upgrade your software. Yeah. Right. So maybe you don't know the answer to this, maybe you do. <laughs> uh, when Microsoft deploys the updates on the multi-tenant uh, situation, whatever you want to call it, is it individually done one by one by one by one? Or do they all do they get deployed all at once? Yeah. Yes. Um, they did some some uh, some testing already and run some metrics on, on that and how they do that. So that because there are currently there are many deployments of, of Business Central currently and they're currently doing updates. And yeah, they they, they have a, a process that they go through. I don't know the inner workings in that process, but effectively they are updating those one at a time. And on average, they've said through tests that it takes approximately 30 seconds wow. to run the updates per test. Wow. That's interesting. Fast. Yeah, that's really fast. Almost as fast as I can run to a pizza store. <laughs> <laughs> almost. Almost, almost. So I guess why, I mean, how would someone pick between the two? I mean, how do you pick between man and business central or cloud and on-premise right um, you know I wish there was a magic bullet answer <laughs> you know here's the answer there I mean there's a lot of factors that go into it um, I think you have to look at what are the requirements what are the re what's the real-time nature of the business and transactions that have to go into it what are the performance requirements right because in a that there's pros and cons to everything. In a multi-tenant environment, we just talked about some of the benefits of being on the cloud. But on the other hand, you have, you don't have as much control over the infrastructure, right? Microsoft is managing the database, right? They're they're doing there's redundancy, there's backups, there's all that stuff. But in terms of the performance of it, it is what it is, right? Maybe, maybe you know, contact Microsoft to have them increase some, some processing yeah. power or whatever. In an on-premise environment, the customer has complete control over the horsepower on their server. Yeah. How, how, much, how many CPUs do you need? What types of processors? How much RAM do you want allocated to make sure, per, make sure that, that system's humming? Mm -hmm. you know? um, also, controls of the back end. In an on-premise solution, uh, you know, a business would have this running on a SQL Server database, NAD for example, or on-premise business central. It'd be running on a SQL Server. If you have a SQL Server developer or, or other applications in SQL Server that you want to integrate with NAD or business central, maybe you need to be on-premise because the tools 
than the, the methods that you might want to use to integrate to a multi-tenant environment are going to be limited. You're, you're not going to have the same options as you would have if you're on-premise. Basically, an on-premise server, right? You have a local administrator. You have full control over yep. anything you want to do, yep. right? Within limitations of NAV's standard business logic, of course. Right. But in terms of integrations, customization capabilities, uh, other third-party tools you might want to use with mm -hmm. it, you can really accomplish anything you want. In a cloud multi-tenant environment, you have to be you're cognizant or, or right aware of what can you do in terms of connecting to that yeah. database and, and, and integrating other solutions with it. Yeah. So those are some of the, the key things. I think today, again, companies, when you say what, what would make a company choose this or that, remember, companies are still people. <laughs> so at some companies, people can be dead set one way or another on what they want. We'll walk into a prospect, oh, I work, you know, we have Dynamics NAV, they're like, well, we, we demand, we're only looking at cloud-based solutions. <laughs> okay, or vice versa. We're, we want nothing to do with the cloud, we can't use the cloud here. Um, it could be an aerospace customer that sells to the military, and there are uh, ITAR requirements or other um, security requirements that may limit what they can do in terms of working with the cloud. So we'll go into customers like that and, and there's, no, there's a clear decision that's been made. And what's great about Microsoft Dynamics, NAVE or Business Central, is both are available. Right. We, we, fit, we fit both, uh, both models. All right, so let's see here. Let's pick out a good question here. <laughs> is there Dynamics? All right, so what are, some, what are some of your favorite bells and whistles? Uh, favorite bells and whistles. So I would say over the past several years, several releases that have come out, one of the, probably the most major improvement that's been made is around uh, accessibility to the, to the system. Meaning you can access NAV, or now Business Central, on your Windows, computer or your Surface or whatever you have, a Dell or HP, whatever you're running. You can also run it on, on, an, on a tablet. So iPad, any Android device running on um, running an app or the web client. So no matter where you are, if, you're, if you have access to a computer with the internet, you got it. go to the internet, go to your browser, open it up, Secure, right? Enter your login name and password so it knows who you are and what your role is and what your security is. Mm -hmm. But you can access it from anywhere, yeah. anytime, through any device. Right. So I think that's been one of the biggest changes in terms of user usability and efficiency, is because people don't have to. People, people, uh, I think used to use that as an excuse to not get into the system to use it. Right? Oh, I'm, I'm out on the road, it's, I, I, I can't connect yeah. where I'm at, or my VPN isn't working, or whatever the ex excuses, right? Dog in the computer. Dog yeah. in the computer. <laughs> so it, today, it, it's, you have all these device options, and I can connect as Ken. I can connect, I can be sitting at my office, have NAV open on my desktop, I have my tablet sitting next to me, and in my, in my pocket is my phone, 
and I'm, I'm running NAV on all of them, it recognizes me as one user, it knows who I am through all those devices, right? And I have full functionality across them. I can enter orders, I can post transactions, run reports on any of those devices. So that's where I think the biggest leap is, to the point where now we're seeing more and more NAV and Business Central customers deploying the built-in CRM module. So, so NAV Business Central has built-in CRM functionality. Historically, it's always been there, but people didn't use it because salespeople <laughs> would refuse to get in. It was too big of a pain in the butt to get in, right? Now, what's your excuse? Yeah. It's there, record your contact, you update, add your contact, record your opportunity, enter your interactions with your customers. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's so easy to do. Right. Um, so that's, that's one of them. Um, I think the, the second one, you know, there's, there's a ton of just little built-in things that, that yeah. make it easy. Uh, one of my personal favorites is what, one of the things called the, uh, the on the role center, there's a, 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 now a, a window called the report inbox. And what you can do with this report inbox is I can run, let's say I want to run an aged accounts receivable report or an inventory valuation report. Historically, what most, most systems, what most people have to do is you open up the report, you select, you know, what date do you want to run it for, what format do you want, whatnot, and you then hit print. And you sit and you wait for that report to generate. Maybe it takes 30 seconds, maybe it takes five minutes. Maybe it takes longer. And I sit and I wait while the report gets done. Now what you can do is you can, instead of running the report, you can hit schedule. And just hit OK. It will schedule it immediately. You continue working. In the meantime, it's running in the background on the server. So once I'm done, once it's done, it pops up on my role center in bold to say, hey, you've got this new report sitting here. Now I just open it up, it's a PDF, uh, or I can save it as other formats if I want, but I think it saves it by default as a PDF. Mm -hmm. um, so think, I mean, <clears throat> maybe it's 11.45, I've got a bunch of sales reports I wanna run, or month-end reports and accounting I wanna run, but I want to also I wanna go to lunch. So 11.45 I can go in, I can kick off all these reports to schedule at noon, I come back from lunch at one o'clock, there's all my reports sitting right there. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> so I wonder if that counts as working through your lunch and uh... I, think, <laughs> I, think, I think you're entitled. Yeah. Hey, just, you're, you're working smart, yeah, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Productivity's there. Yeah. So, oh, that's you yeah, you can also set those two uh, on a recurring schedule. So you oh. wanna run that report every Monday at noon, set it on a recurring schedule or once a month on the third of the month. Set it once. Set it and forget it. That's great. You know what that's from? I have no idea, no. I don't even know what that's from. Set it and forget it? Is that from, with The infomercial? No, the infomercial where he cooks stuff in the pot. And he sets the timer, you just set it and forget it, and then you come back and it's a whole meal cooked. Really? Oh, you guys are young. I'm not up to three. You guys are young. I think you're young. Never, 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 never. All right, so what about add-on solutions or extensions? What are some of your favorite, or what do you see as necessary? 
So as an extension, right. So, well, first of all, background a little bit. Let's, let's backtrack, right, one step. So historically for Dynamics NAV, uh, there, there have been, there's, you know, there's well over, I don't know what the number is, 2,000 NAV partners worldwide. Yeah. A lot of those partners are like, like us. They're, they're cent cent centered around implementing NAV and understanding business and how to implement software and support customers running it. But there are, there's a whole other set of partners that are, that are what are called ISV partners, independent software vendor partners, or we sometimes just call add-on partners. Uh, and they specifically develop apps or add-ons for NAV. And they, 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 they are built into NAV, so once you install them into NAV, it looks and feels like NAV. No, a user could never tell that something was an app because it's kind of built in, right? An extension is kind of the new add-on or app. The difference is an extension is designed in such a way that it does not touch the standard business logic delivered by Microsoft. Instead, it, 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 it extends or sits around the standard source code so that effectively what you can do is you can add some extensions to your Business Central or NAV environment uninstall the extension, upgrade, reinstall the extension. Like that, within minutes. So upgrades become uh, easier. In the old add-on environment, add-ons were developed in a way, a lot of times, where those add-ons were impacting the standard structure of the database. So what they would do is release an upgrade toolkit with each release, and we would have a developer, or have a developer, we still do upgrades, have a developer um, merge those objects together. Right. So there was some work involved there. You needed a, a development resource to complete an upgrade. Now, everything wasn't rebuilt. You didn't have to rebuild or recreate all your enhancements or modifications. Right. Most of them came right over. 90, 90 some percent would come right over. But every once in a while, there was some sort of conflict. The developer would have to identify the conflict and upgrade it. So, now with extensions, it's easier. It's again, it's like a phone app. You have an app on your phone, you can uninstall it, yep. and then you can reinstall the app, yep. right? So pretty sure if you have an iPhone, there's probably something when you do updates, it probably does something like that, where mm -hmm. it temporarily uninstalls some apps, maybe you know, probably, up, yeah. updates it, and then reinstalls everything, yeah. right? Who knows, but I'll bet there's something like that. So, mm -hmm. so that's, an ex that's an extension. So same, same idea, it's a, it's a software company, building an app specifically for any of your business central, just two different development approaches. Um, okay. So back to your question, which was what are my favorite ones? Yeah, some necessary ones, I guess. Um, so I would say I don't have a favorite. Oh, what? I don't, I don't play favorites. He's killing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the reason I don't have favorites is because we do not want to go into a prospect or right, potential customer of NAV or Business Central and be suggesting what they need without even understanding their business or their requirements. So when we go in, we, it's, it's a clean slate. Our assumption is you need standard-based dynamics NAV or Business Central, right? 
Then what we'll do is, as we're learning about their business, understanding the requirements, we'll maybe identify that an extension or an add-on is needed. And then we'll go ahead and maybe show how that works or talk about that or explain what the pricing is, right, if we need to. Yeah. Um, but I would say I, I, I don't, I, I really don't have any that I think are, are mandatory for anyone to run. It depends on each situation. Uh, and then we kind of go from there. So what you're saying is you want some ISVs to send some gifts over. <laughs> you can walk in and then. And then when, I, and then when I come back for the next <laughs> podcast, exactly. maybe I'll have a different answer to this question. <laughs> exactly. All right. <laughs> oh, too funny. All right. So why would someone choose to work with one Microsoft partner over another one? Are there really differences or what? Um, you know, there, there are, right? So one, the, the biggest difference is going to be, I think most, most partners are gonna understand the solution, how it works to, to a pretty good level. This is how Dynamics works. Here's, let me show you how to create an item, how to create an order, let me show you, right? They'll understand the product, be able to install it and, and get it going. I think what a customer may sometimes undervalue is the partner's understanding of business, right? To, to be able to listen to what their requirements are, understand what the priorities are, what those key functions are that that company needs to be successful, and understand that and then build that into a solution that works to demonstrate Here's how, if, if you're looking to accomplish A, B, and C, this is how NAB should be configured to give you what you need, mm -hmm. right? Because um, there are a lot of options. There's, there's a lot of different ways that you can set up your inventory locations. There's different ways you can utilize dimensions to, for financial reporting. Uh, there's, there's, right, a ton of different strategies for identifying how you set up items. What is an item? What units of measure should be used? How do you want to manage pricing and discounts? Right? All of those types of things. How do you need to manage inventory and plan for production or purchasing? All those things are hugely important. And I think there are a lot of partners out there. Maybe not all of them have the resources that have business experience, our MBAs, CPAs, uh, those types of things, or just the experience implementing software across 15 years or 10 years or 20 years, yeah. who have seen 50 or 100 different businesses do it and know what works and what doesn't. So I think that's a huge factor uh, for a company to try to make, to make sure that they have the right partner. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, you could probably purchase Dynamics NAV or Business Central yeah. from hundreds of places, hundreds of people. But having a partner, right, the word is, we use the word partner, or a partner, a partner that understands your business and, and is gonna help you not only get it deployed, but then also continue to improve how that gets used as your business grows, right, and need more functionality, so. And we're not just any partner, we're a gold partner. Gold certified <laughs> partner. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so so well, it's good to hear that experience actually still plays a part with 
about yeah. choosing a partner. It really means something. Yeah, and gold, gold certified partner, by the way, you know, I think it is important. Mm -hmm. There's a few things that you need to be gold certified. One is you need a minimum amount of license revenue with Microsoft. So what that tells you is that this is a, if a company's gold certified like solution systems, it tells a, a company that this that solution systems has done this many times. We, we're maintaining a certain level of revenue. Uh, two, um, we have X percentage of our customers on annual enhancement renewals. So our customers are upgrading. They're not implementing it and then dropping it. They're right. staying active on this on the enhancement plan and continuing to upgrade so i think that shows that they're getting value out of the software with us or any gold certified partner <laughs> and, and, and and thirdly we need references so you need a number of references every year to renew as a gold partner and these are customer verified case studies or, or, or references that say that we completed a project successfully so we can't just go out there, you can't just go out there and sell a bunch of software and not be successful at yeah. implementing it, right? To have a good reference anyway. Yeah. Um, so, so I think, you know, there, there is a bar set with the gold certified, gold certification on partners. Um, and, and it can make a difference in terms of defining, is this customer, you know, uh, really uh, do this a lot? This is something they, this is their bread and butter, so to speak. Right, it almost validates partners as being good. Right. <laughs> and, For lack of better terms. and it's not really a walk in the park to get your gold certification either. I mean, no. it's what, top 2% of, of partners uh, out there? So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. it's not like it's necessarily an easy. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a small number of uh, customers that have that. It's yeah. user. Yeah, so let's say I'm a company just beginning to use NAV. What is a tip you would give to a typical end user? Hire solution systems. <laughs> right. I mean, besides for that, which, by the way, you can just call us at 847-590-3000. Uh, shameless plug. <laughs> you know, the, the, by far, the number one thing of any user is you need a basic level of training to use the software effectively. Um, you know, when we implement a new, when we implement NAV historically or Business Central, we always do a, a whole set, a series of key user training up front. And then we'll even do end user training. So when we get close to deployment, we'll train some end users on, on how to use the system. And a lot of times that we have, we have documentation that we'll develop with our customer to walk through what are the steps to process the transaction. And that's all well and good. But Guess what? Five years later, half of those people might be gone and they've been replaced with all new people. As a general rule, companies do not invest in training those new employees like they should. And what happens is we get the calls in our support department here and it's, hi, it's Tom, it's Sue, I'm new here, how do I print a check, yeah. right? Um, well, okay, click on payment journals. Where's payment journals, right? Yeah. So they have no training. They don't know how to navigate through the system. They don't know the basic 
functions of ribbons or how to print a document, what some of those things are, like scheduling a report. Um, so what we've created is a, a Solution Systems University, right, with a 101 class. It's about four to five hours of sessions that cover the, bare, the basics of NAV. So no matter what type of user you are, you can sit down and watch these, I don't know how many, 20, 30 sessions, yeah, 20, maybe, yeah. um, broken down into 10 minute, five to 10 minute segments. You know, how do I open NAV? How do I search? Right. How do I create a new record? How do I print a document? Right? What is a role center? How do <laughs> I, right, how can I filter my data? How can I export to Excel? All those things, um, you have to know the lay of the land, right? To, to be successful in using any software, really. And what we see again and again is, is again, people not investing in that training, mainly because they don't, they feel like probably they don't have anyone internally that can do it. So if we go ahead and provide these videos to them, they can subscribe to those videos. Every time they hire a new employee, watch these videos. And we've even had customers that have been using the software for years. They still watch those videos and go, wow, I didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah. Right. Very so, cool. so basic level of training to be successful, no matter what your role is, is by far my number one uh, <laughs> recommendation. All right. So that's just a general uh, recommendation. So what would be, I don't know, a tip for, uh, say, a controller or an accounting manager to, you know, that's just starting to use NAV? What, what's one tip to make them successful? Um, Besides training. I have a few. I mean, one of them is learn how to use the built-in account schedules. So account schedules are basically the tool built within NAD, Business Central. They're used to do uh, balance sheets, income statements, cash flow statements, whatever column layouts you want, month-to-date, year-to-date, actual-to-budget comparison. All those are built in. Um, we still see companies, people, users taking data out of NAV, dumping it into Excel, and then preparing reports. Um, there's just no need to do it. It's all built in. So take the time to learn that, learn how account schedules work. So what about uh, those salespeople that don't like to log in? And <laughs> log in. <laughs> Access to data everywhere. Um, you know, for salespeople, um, Again, I would say, you know, one, get some basic training, but two, define, you, you have to define a core set of functionality of what, what are you expected to do in the system, right? A lot of times we see that's vague. It's what, what are the things that need to be captured in there or what are the things you need? And then maybe not for, maybe not for you, Mr. Salesman, but for your IT administrator, that salesperson should have a role center created that's super simple. Because generally, you only, there's only a few things. You need customers, contacts, sales quotes, orders, right? right. Interactions or to-dos. Mm -hmm. It's a very small list of things that you probably need access to. So you wanna make sure that your company's taking the time to create a real simple, stripped down role center so that it's easy to use. And that way I think you'll get more adoptability. Right. Not too bad, not too bad. All right, one more. I want you to think uh, a good tip would be for somebody. Let's just go with, uh, how about the inventory slash or warehouse manager, I guess. Let's 
So with the inventory manager. Okay. How about that? <laughs> uh, so the uh, an inventory manager, right? Let's say someone who's responsible for maintaining inventory, mm -hmm. right? I need to make sure I have enough inventory here to ship to our customers, but I don't. We don't have unlimited capital to or space to invest in having a, a ton of inventory of every item available, right? So there's there's a balance there. And you, you have to find that balance of how much should we have on hand. So my tip to someone who's in inventory is, is to utilize some of the built-in planning functions within NAV and Business Central. There's a planning worksheet that you can use if you're a manufacturer. If you may, uh, have bill materials and you need to plan for sub-assemblies and, and raw materials. There's a requisition worksheet, which is similar if you just need to purchase an item that you then sell. Both of these worksheets are designed so that you can, it, the system can create suggestions for you and tell you what you should make or buy. My tip is start slowly because how you set up your item will dictate what the system tells you to do. And if you're not careful, if you don't have your items set up properly, you could end up either purchasing way more than you really need or not as much as you really need. So you want to start with that automation of MRP or, or planning within the system for maybe a small subset of items. Make sure then monitor that, make sure it's working, and then slowly roll that out to more and more items so that you're manually making those decisions on fewer and fewer. A couple of years, that'll probably be for Tana's, uh, Tana's job, right? Right, yeah, probably. So I, I guess artificial intelligence is really kind of getting really, uh, I mean, there's a lot more um, kind of drive towards it, I guess. Um, so do you think artificial intelligence will eventually be performing some tasks such as this, or such as ordering or quality control? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, there, I don't know if you've experienced it, but I recently experienced I had a, a custom call a company for customer service, and it was led through by an automated uh, voice, right? Yeah. What can I help you with? And you say a few key words. They say, I understand you're looking for help on ABC. Is this correct? Yes. And then they add, ask you more questions. So they're deciphering what you're saying and they're leading you down some path to get you the answer you need. I think in that case, some are, I don't know if some are all artificial intelligence, but in that case, it definitely was. Mm -hmm. um, just like yeah, right? So I think from a customer, think about that from a customer service perspective, you're already, it's already there. Mm -hmm. The next level is I can enter my order number. I can enter a part number I want to buy. I can, I can say, all right, say a quantity if I'm on the phone. I want, what's your item number? One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. Okay. How many do you want to buy? Five. And at the end of my call, an order has been created in the ARP system, right? Um, so. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of time. Um, there'll be yeah. some growing pains. Of course. And not every application will be suitable for it. Yeah. Uh, but, but absolutely. Yeah, I think that uh, I've read some things where they say that anything involving numbers will eventually have artificial intelligence. And that's kind of yeah. worrisome at one point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it could be. I mean, there, there's already, you know, um, 
software out there where you can, you know, yeah, feed in a bunch of values and it'll identify based yeah. on the value set that it sees, like check for a, an outlier mm -hmm. or, or flag certain things yeah. based on certain results. Yeah, I think I think the inventory thing is probably going to be a natural progression, right? Yeah. The artificial intelligence, whether the AI is just ordering by itself what what it thinks you need, right. um, and it's probably ninety nine percent of the time correct until there's a one time where it's not. <laughs> so yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of trial and error mm -hmm. along the way of companies that may over rely on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, think about a typical company that, you know, we, we distribute, let's say, bottles of water, right? And in an average period, we just, we sell 100,000 bottles of water a month. And then for some reason, for two months or three months in a row, we sell, we're, we're ramping up and we're selling more. We're selling 200,000 bottles of water and then 300,000 bottles of water. Well, what... You know, the question is, and I don't have an answer, I'm just saying, what would a system suggest you order for that next month? Yeah, right. Or if it's looking at your weekly sales and it's seeing that ramp up curve, yeah. might it assume that the next month you're going to sell 400000 yeah. and you need to purchase to meet that demand? Right. I don't you know. You have a two-month contract with the World Cup or something. And you know, Correct. Yeah, right. It's over and then what? Or, or for, or perhaps it's a seasonal item. Yeah. It's a new item that you just started selling, and there's going to be a drop off until next spring. Right. Uh, so there, there, there are a lot of, uh, and I'm sure that there, there will be logic and, and so on to, to handle that, address that type of stuff. Yeah. But to, I could also see users or people over relying on it. Um, of course, know, yeah. Without verifying it, checking it. Mm -hmm. Especially uh, if it gets it right, right in the beginning. Months or whatever, right? Yeah, I'm just gonna trust it 100%. You just hit the button and go and play done. golf, right? Yep. <laughs> well, that kind of brings us to uh, something we did in one of our other podcasts where Tom disclosed a fear of robots. Will robots take over the world? A fear of robots? Yes. Haven't you ever seen the movie iRobot? Is this legit? I have not. You never seen iRobot? No. Oh, I think it was made in 2004. Yeah. You should watch it. Everything in that movie is they pretty much nailed everything. Autonomous driving. Robots with artificial intelligence. I robot, it's Will Smith. Huh? Yeah, it's Will so Smith movie. It's intense. It's dead on. Does it? Does he get hung up in some sort of? Uh, it's like a robot war. Issues coming after him. Well, what happens is that robots basically figure out how to work together, because you know what artificial intelligence they learn a thousand million times faster than we do, and they figure out how to take over. I did see everything. an X Files episode. Uh -huh. Oh, just like that. Where they, it's a gloomy picture <laughs> of the world of yeah, robots. Yeah. Robots taking over. Yeah, uh, it can be. Uh, so no, I haven't seen any robots. So you have a fear of robots. That's interesting. <laughs> so will they take over the world? What do you think? Um, Are we always going to be able to pull that plug? Yes, as a matter of fact, I am a robot. <laughs> and Ken, I knew it. The, 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 the real Ken is locked in a box in his basement. It's so, over. yeah. Look at Tom shaking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's um, next? Yeah, uh -huh. no, we'll see. I don't know. I, I just saw actually you know, in the news recently that there's they're starting to talk about rules, legislation, yeah. whatever, around limits on 
artificial intelligence and, yeah. and you know it's a little bit above my pay grade yeah. um, but but there, there there is talk about yeah putting some controls in place uh, to prevent uh, well they actually had Facebook actually had two robots talk to each other and realized that the English language was not uh, adequate or whatever word is and they created their own language because it was more efficient Wow. Nobody was able to figure it out. Yeah, so they, they definitely you know, they pulled them fast. <laughs> then in Germany, there was this robot <laughs> that kept on escaping and like would wander around in the traffic. And eventually they pulled the plug on it, but it kept on doing it. And they it, it realized they, captivity was bad. It right. learned captivity was bad on its own. And they tried they to want it out. They right. it out. And so no they changed what the they code, code. And no matter what they did, it yeah. kept on doing it. Interesting. <laughs> so I'm just saying, you should uh, look into this robot thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually think that robots will be uh, around way before the White Sox won the World Series. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Touche. <laughs> but the Bears, so I, I guess what's your prediction? Who's going to win first? The Bears or the White Sox? Well, it's always, it's very, it's very difficult being a White Sox fan in this world. Right now. You know, yeah. so maybe I, maybe I need to create some robots that are White Sox fans. Yeah. Or would they learn? Bats. Would they learn that it's better to be a Cubs fan? Yeah. Probably yeah. would. Trying to Probably, knowing my luck. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So they're in a little, White Sox are in a little bit of a rebuild right now. Yeah. Uh, although, I, as of a couple days ago, at least they're over 500 since the All Star break. Oh wow, that's pretty good. And. They did pretty good against the, the Red Sox. And the two, the two out of three against the Red Sox. I'm not yeah. sure if they beat the Yankees two out of three, or, but they played them tough. They, they should have yeah. won two out of three. Right. Um, yeah, no, there's, they're, they're starting to call up some of the younger players. Um, or the Bears, who's in, or the Bears going to win a Super Bowl for the White Sox in the World Series. Oof, that's a tough one. That is a tough question. It really is. I would say... White Sox. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. What? Just because of, in the words of Stephen A. Smith, that bad man Aaron Rodgers is in our division. <laughs> yeah, but now we got an even badder man in Khalil Mack. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens on Sunday, I guess. I think. I think. Uh, I mean, injuries happen in baseball, mm -hmm. but in football, you can have a really good team. You lose your quarterback. You lose or two key players. You're done, yeah. right? I mean, you can still be good, but you know. Pretty sure the Patriots it, only lost four games without Tom Brady. <laughs> Matt Cassidy was the quarterback. That's five. Just saying. They didn't make the playoffs that year, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are. Well, that's the exception that proves the rule. Yeah. Uh, no. But but typically, yeah, you lose you lose one key player. Yeah, the players get injured a lot in football, so yeah. that that's my reason. It's very close. Okay. I think it's really close. I mean, the Bears could be right there. But with the injury factor in football, yeah. I'm going to go baseball. All right. I think in four years, the White Sox are going to be really good. Hmm. I think in two years, the White Sox are going to be really good. Really good? Yeah. Competing for a playoff spot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think four years. Wild card. I guess we got to create like a follow-up for this podcast then. 20, two years from now. 2020 wild card team. Yeah. Right. So is that 2021 World Series or bust? Let's, sure. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs>
<laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. Tune in the, uh, next time. Actually, this is the, the season finale. Yeah. So next, uh, next season will be season three. We'll have more guests, more fun. I think we're going to upgrade the sound equipment and uh, learn, some more, learn some more about uh, Business Central since it's coming out here in the fall. Yeah. We thank want to thank Ken. Thank Ken. you for having me. Yeah. And uh, once Business Central's out in full force, we are happy to come back. Maybe we can throw a little web demo in there and yeah, sure, uh, show some stuff, huh? Yeah, right. definitely. Awesome. Go Bears. Ha, ha, ha.